Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 209. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with members of the Blueprint MCAT team. This week is no different. I'm going to jump into a conversation with Joya, who is a newer member of the MCAT tutoring team. And she's actually one of the instructors for the new live online course that Blueprint Prep is offering. If you haven't heard about the new live online course, think about the online course, which I talked about previously, where you get all kinds of amazing content built on top of a great platform, technology platform that is tracking everything you're doing, giving you advice on how to move forward, where you're struggling and how to improve built on a schedule that helps you accommodate everything in your life. Take that setup and now add live instruction with two instructors who are going over the content, answering your questions even more in depth. If you need the accountability of a structured class and love the online course format, the live online course is something that you should check out. Go to blueprintprep.com and check that out today. In the conversation that I'm going to have with Joy, we're going to talk about her journey to taking the MCAT, being an instructor, what a, a blueprint instructor goes through to be hired. It's not just having a great score, but also much more than that. And we're going to talk about her take on what makes a successful MCAT student. Joya, welcome to the MCAT podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm loving this new format where I get to interact with different MCAT instructors from Blueprints Live online course. The last batch of episodes was with Armin. And now we're with the wonderful Joya, who I I had uh, the opportunity to do a webinar with you announcing the live online course. So I'm excited to have you on the MCAT podcast now for a few episodes. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Let's let's talk about who Joya is. How did you get involved in the whole MCAT world as uh, as an MCAT taker, as an MCAT instructor? Um, I, I think it's interesting because a lot of a lot of people who teach the MCAT aren't necessarily pre meds and, and are going down that path mm. anymore. Um, what's what's your story? So I was a pre-med when I took the MCAT and I'm still, I guess I'm not technically a pre-med anymore. I'll be a med student in the fall, um, but I was preparing for the MCAT during this past cycle. So this pandemic cycle, um, I was one of those, got my test canceled three times, (laughs) had a little panic with like, is the MCAT real anymore? I don't know. Um, All of that stuff happened, but I used Blueprint to prep. And I really love the blueprint materials. I listened to the MCAT podcast. Um, so these are all the materials that I actually used personally. And yeah. then when I did well on it, I was like, okay, this seems like a, maybe a thing I could teach. And I saw some postings for jobs at Blueprint and applied. Um, had a really great time just in the job application process, which I've never said about a job before. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really fun. I felt really at home with the community of instructors and um, administrators. And I was like, this seems like a great opportunity. And the live online class didn't exist when I was taking the MCAT. And so it seemed like a great, um, a great continuation of the materials that I already knew and loved. And so I've been with Blueprint since uh, September. And I'm really excited to be teaching classes. I love doing webinars. Uh, it's been really cool to see the, the company grow and to see us do so much with you. Yeah, that's exciting. Talk about, I want to dive into a little bit more of your MCAT and kind of your philosophy with the MCAT. But I think it'd be interesting, uh, and I didn't get clearance from Blueprint before, but we've we've talked about this before uh, (laughs) previously. Um, The, I, I think a lot of students think you, you score high on an MCAT exam, you can immediately go be an MCAT tutor. Talk about the the hiring mm. process for you, the, the training process for you to make sure that you are going to be a good instructor. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been teaching, not MCAT, but I've been tutoring and teaching for about a decade now. So standardized test prep um, tutoring has been a really big part of my life and my livelihood for about 10 years. I started tutoring for the SAT when I was still a high schooler after I took it very similarly. I spent some really rigorous time, not just preparing for the test, but preparing for preparing for the test. So figuring out what methods I wanted to use, how I wanted to track my scores, how I wanted to kind of treat my mistakes and my successes. And so I've been thinking about teaching and I've been a teacher for for a long time. So when I applied to Blueprint, it wasn't as a, oh, I just kind of feel like maybe I could teach this, but rather this is a natural continuation of the subject matter that I feel strong in and the places that I feel I've developed expertise. And then the hiring process was very much teaching. They had us prepare lessons. Um, I won't say too much more than that, but they had us prepare and teach to a live group of people. And so they were really able to see and assess, can you teach? Can you teach to a group of people that have a lot of questions? Can you break down complicated subjects into small bite-sized pieces? Are you accessible to kind of a wide variety of learners and students? And so that's very much what I've been doing. And it felt natural to kind of continue that and broaden that because I typically tutor kids who are under the age of 18. So I'm usually yeah. in the high school, middle school range. These are my first kind of, kind of teaching adults um, beyond the few college students I've tutored here and there. So it was a really new but not fully foreign experience to me. Yeah. And for teaching, you know, I've spent a long time kind of reading 
pedagogical books and listening to teachers podcasts and trying to hone my skills as an educator. And Blueprint does a really great job also of kind of teaching us and giving us a lot of resources and feedback and having people from management come watch our classes and then debrief with us afterwards. So it feels really supportive in terms of learning how to translate our study skills into our teaching skills. Because that's not always a one-to-one um, no. correlation. <laughs> yeah. I, I always tell the story of, of my time with, uh, with, with the purple test prep company, um, ah. uh, with my instructor way, way back in the day who was like a 99th percentile score and was just like, was not a good instructor at all. Mm-hmm. He stood in front of the class. This was brick and mortar, uh, test prep store at that point and and stood in front of the class and just flipping page after page after page going oh you should know this oh you should know this you should know I'm like no that's not why i'm paying you to tell me yeah. that I, I should already know this um and so definitely and that's something i love about blueprint is is the kind of commitment to making sure that just because you're a 99th percent score or whatever you are doesn't mean that you're going to be a good instructor. And so they're, they're out there looking for good instructors. So um, I, I wanted to bring that up. Number one, to, to just kind of plug how Blueprint um, finds their instructors, hires their instructors, obviously good, good at taking the MCAT and good at teaching. Uh, but also for future instructors who may be listening to this, who go out and crush the MCAT, if, if you want to uh, go get a job with Blueprint in the future. So awesome. Yeah, definitely. So, Highly recommend. So you obviously did well. Uh, during the pandemic cycle, which as you mentioned, right, test, test is canceled multiple times. And, and mm-hmm. it's a whole other podcast about how the AMC has kind of screwed up the testing cycle and, and continues oh, to as we get into 2021 with more cancellations. Um, talk about how you kept up your motivation through this whole time, because I, I, I think it, it correlates or, or there's some good lessons, not only for future pandemics, which hopefully we won't be in one <laughs> before I die. Um, but but for students just in general who get to a point where it's like, I don't think I'm ready to take the exam. I need to push back my exam, right? It's not canceled, but I'm I'm pushing back the exam. And now I have to kind of reset my framework and reset my study my my study schedule and my my habits. How how did you handle all of that? That's a great question. So the first real honest answer is for the beginning, I did it. Well, the first time I got canceled, I was like, ah, it's over <laughs> and totally went into a, a hole for like a month and was like, it's done. It's never going to happen. I give up. And then I, you know, I gave myself a little time to wallow. And then I was like, okay, crawl out of your hole, get back on the horse. So you went it's through the, the stages, the, the, the stages. Oh, completely, <laughs> completely. I was not, I wish I could say like, oh, I immediately like went to my study plan and did some really organized stuff. I didn't, I cried. Yeah. I, was, I was like, I'm never going to go to bed school. Uh, I'm going to watch Doc McStuffins until I die. It's going to be terrible. Um, I love Doc McStuffins, but I don't want that to be my only kind of access point to medicine. <laughs> but when I finally decided to get back on the horse, I actually used the Blueprint study tool first. I was like, okay, this seems manageable. I can like move things around on my calendar. That's not that scary. So I did that and started kind of Xing out the things that I had done and letting them be deleted. I reset with a new date. And then I really went back and said, okay, let me treat this as if I have just more time to study instead of kind of fixating on the fact that it was canceled because I did feel ready initially. I was like, okay, let me pretend that I didn't feel ready. Let me approach this like I have now more time to work on my weaknesses. And so then I went back to all of my 
I have, you know, too many Google Docs of reviews of my full length exams where I wrote down all my thought processes and what I got wrong and why I got it wrong and what I was missing. And I said, okay, which were the things that I kind of triaged out of this last round of prep? The things that I said, oh, it's not that high yield or, oh, I don't, I'm not that shaky on it. I'm not going to go back to it. Let me take those things and make them priority now. So I went back and kind of sifted through the stuff that I had kind of glossed over because I didn't have time the first time and said, okay, now I have more time. Let me do these things. And for me, that was a lot of chem phys. That was a lot of the nitty gritty of physiology for bio biochem. And of course, I kind of kept doing cars. Uh, cars was my highest section when I started and stayed one of my highest scores. I think it was my second highest score. But I knew that complacency was going to get me if I didn't practice. I was like, okay, there, I can feel the mental atrophy occurring the longer I don't do cars. So let me remember to do cars. And I just kind of kept going. And then the second time it got canceled, I didn't fall into a hole for a month. The second time I was like, this is old hat. I've done this before. Like, let's go. And did exactly the same thing. So every round of prep, there's always something that you say, I don't have time for this. And if you decide to push back or you get something pushed back outside of your control, that just becomes an opportunity to go back and kind of scoop the things that you said, I'm going to deprioritize these things right now. All right. So I want to dig into you saying that cars was, was typically your best section. Uh, how? How are you so good at cars? Because that's where students seem to struggle the most. So it's not a satisfying answer because it's not really a replicable thing, but I've been tutoring for the SAT for a decade. And so the cars section of the MCAT is not dissimilar from the SAT and the ACT's reading comprehension section. So being a reading comprehension teacher for a decade absolutely gave me a leg up. And even in my diagnostic, I was like, this is okay. This section is okay. It doesn't make me cry. (laughs) Um, So that's, I think, just, that's by virtue of teaching reading comprehension. But I think in terms of where I got the score jump into the, I went from average to high scoring was reading outside of cars. Mm. And that was really my my trick. Because when I did just cars practice, I was like, okay, this is fine. But I only know it in this context. I don't feel like I can generalize these strategies. I'm struggling I also hate philosophy. It makes me want to sleep. And that's where I was losing steam is I would get to philosophy passages and my eyes would glaze over mm. and I would finish the passage and be like, I don't know what I read. <laughs> I don't know what that was. There was someone thinking and that's it. That's all I got. So I had to go read a lot of philosophy. And I did that literally by searching public domain philosophy books, people who've been long dead and bored themselves to death probably. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read David Hume. I guess I'm going to read Kant and make myself a little sad, but I was able to kind of tackle these long, boring texts. And that gave me the stamina I needed to do much shorter pieces Mm. in cars. And so building that external stamina and also just, you know, taking my car skills out to a book instead of just an MCAT prep session was really helpful because it really internalized those strategies. So when I was looking for tone and bias and looking for main idea, when I practiced that everywhere, not just in the context of the MCAT, it made those skills much stronger and made cars much less stressful. But I read a lot. I read a lot as a person, but I kind of revamped what I read to be stuff that I struggled with instead of reading just stuff that I liked. I'm excited you mentioned Kant because uh, that just brings back good memories of The Good Place and wonderful TV show. Um, The Good Place really made it a lot better to 
to read content. That was my reward. I was like, if I read this boring philosophy, I get to watch an episode of Good Place. And <laughs> yeah. that was a great little conditioning mechanism. You get to have Chidi talk about Kant. Um, so, so talk about, right, because going and reading Kant, going and reading these boring books, reading them doesn't do anything, right? No. But, but you talked about looking for tone and looking for bias and, and all these other things. How do you do that reading a textbook, reading a, reading a book? you pretend that you're making the MCAT. So I went full method when I studied for the MCAT. I was like, I work for the AAMC. I make (laughs) MCAT test questions. I will read this book as if I'm looking for a passage that I would select for the MCAT and making up questions as I go. And I literally wrote out questions that I would then quiz myself with Hmm. saying like, what was the, what was Kant's main idea in this passage? What was the tone of this? Why was this quote introduced? What was the function of this word? And I really just tried to make my own MCAT as I read these books. And so it stopped being just about reading and more about kind of reverse engineering the type of question that I found the most challenging. Mm. And I did all the hypotheticals too. Like, huh, if he encountered this scenario, what would he do? Because that's, I think, one of the most challenging kinds of cars questions is those extrapolation application questions. So I made them up for myself and used my own books and my own articles or whatever I was reading as fodder for those question formation exercises. And I didn't do that exclusively. Like I was still doing regular cars prep, but this was my kind of alternative mechanism of doing cars because I think it helped me also understand the function of the questions better. And I felt like I got inside the test maker's head just a little bit. And so when I took real tests, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. I see that overly broad answer. I know that you want me to say that, but I'm going to go for the one that's more concise and succinct and to the point of this question. I'm not going to get into that trap. And I felt comfortable identifying traps because I had spent a while making them for myself. Yeah. I think one of the key things to, to highlight for students is to remember that the, the MCAT, they don't make passages just out of their head. They do go back to these literary pieces and, and pull out passages just as you were kind of Mm -hmm. pretending to do. So uh, I think that's a, an awesome exercise that uh, sounds very, very painful and very, very boring, but obviously very useful. Um, yeah, definitely useful. As as you are now an MCAT instructor, and, and even kind of drawing upon all of your time doing SAT prep and and uh, being a being a teacher for so long, where do you find the most successful students are making themselves to be successful? Mm. I think one is just accountability. I think a lot of times with study schedules, people get, they fall off the wagon a little bit and then they keep falling off because they're like, no, it's fine. I'll get back to it next week. I'll get back to it next week. And I think the most successful students I've seen have been the ones who, even if they fall off for a little while, they're very honest with themselves about where they're at, what they've been doing. They're honest with themselves about how effective the two hours they spent actually was. I think sometimes people say, I studied for seven hours. And I'm like, but what did you do though? (laughs) In those seven hours. Uh, I was on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think the, the best students are the ones who are like, yeah, I was on Instagram and I know that doesn't really count. And so I'm going to find other time to do dedicated practice or I need to give my phone to someone else. I need to unplug. I need to turn off. I need to use an app on my computer that prevents me from going on Twitter. Whatever it is, I think accountability is a really strong characteristic of really successful students. And then I think like, I guess metacognition as a skill 
is really important being able to think about thinking. Students who recognize not just what they did wrong, but why they did it wrong mm-hmm. and understanding the kinds of questions that trip them up is really, really important. We see that a lot in our students in class, actually. A lot of times students will just be posting in the chat their reflections on, oh, I'm always getting these application questions wrong. Or like, I keep getting the two extreme answer. I keep picking that one. And that's really important. And we always get, I get really excited when I see students put those reflections in the chat because I'm like, oh, you're doing the thing. You're doing the thing I want you to do, which is thinking about the way that you think and thinking about the way that you get tricked. And if you can identify those things and then be accountable enough to stick to a schedule, I think that's a recipe for success. Yeah. It goes back to that, that whole, the, the saying, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, yes. Is, is if you're not reflecting and self-aware enough to understand where you are falling into these traps, then, then that's on you, right? You, you mm-hmm. need to do that sort of reflection and review and just deep dives into these full-length exams and into each of these questions to understand what's going on and why you're getting what you're getting right and why you're getting what you're getting wrong. Yep. The why, I think, is like the underlying theme of all of this is you can't, if you just focus on the what, then you will get maybe content and that's about it. But you have to focus on the why as well. And that's where strategy and thought process come in. Yeah. So it's it's obviously for car section, go read some old books and, and try to tor- torture yourself with those. What about for the science sections? Where where are you finding students the most successful there in terms of content and understanding? Right? How, how do I know all the equations that I need to know and all this stuff? Uh, one is units. I think units are the most underrated studying thing in the world. If you study your units and you know what units are all, all your formulas use, half the time you can figure out an answer just based on the units given. It's really like, it's a, it's a gift. It's a signpost. And I think that's a huge part of it is when students do dimensional analysis in their formulas, they don't just write down the variables. They write down the units that go with each variable and they look at what the units of the solution are. They A, get a better sense of what kinds of quantities are going in and out of a formula, but they also are able to notice when things are given to them correctly or incorrectly in answer options. So that's one. But two, I think is just applied practice. I think the toughest thing for students is getting over the fear that they're going to go through a question set or a QBank set and get everything wrong. And so they don't. They're like, I'm just going to watch modules. I'm just going to read textbooks. And I feel like I've studied, but I haven't tried it out in real life. And they procrastinate the doing the real questions. So I incorporated questions super early in my prep. I was like, I'll do content review in the mornings. But even if it's still early in my content review, I have to do practice questions. And I'm going to get most of them wrong. And that's okay. My first few QBanks were dismal and some of them were 0%. But it meant that I was actually applying the knowledge that I was learning instead of just kind of sitting and stewing about whether or not I knew a kinematics equation. Because that's great if you know the equation. But if you don't know when to use it, you don't know which one to use. You don't know how to change your answer into the correct form. You don't know how to manipulate between multiple different versions of scientific notation. If, that's, if you can't do those applied skills, then all the content review in the world isn't going to help. Yeah. And I, I definitely, that was a kind of more of a mental and emotional barrier than anything else. Yeah. So I felt like I was wasting questions or I was embarrassed alone in my apartment being like, someone's watching and med school ad comps are going to know that I did really <laughs> badly on this QBank and they're going to hate me. And I was like, That's, that doesn't make sense. But yeah. it's, it, it's such a gut reaction, I think, for students who are used to being high achieving or trying really hard and holding themselves to relatively unrealistic standards, all of us, let's be real. Um, I think it gets really scary to go into something knowing that you're going to get most of it wrong, yeah. especially at the beginning. But applied practice is just such 
a core part of succeeding on the science questions. Like you, you can't, you can't do well on the MCAT if you didn't do a ton of questions. Yeah. Um, that's, that's life in general yeah. though, right? If, yeah. if I, I played baseball growing up, I, I, uh, if I wanted to feel good about myself, all I would do is, is hit off a, a tee or hit off yeah. of a pitching machine and never face live pitching where the pitcher can throw me different pitches and, and hit different spots and, and me trying to read uh, what, what's coming and, and time my swing to hit the ball, right? You could, you could make analogies for anything in life of oh, just yeah. sitting on the sidelines and analyzing everything and, and never kind of stepping in and, and playing on the court. So um, I, I think what you mentioned, right. And that's a big mistake. We, every MCAT instructor, every MCAT course, I think tells students is you need to do practice quest yes. questions and tests. And, and you can't just do content review because that's not how to prepare for the MCAT. Yep. That's such a, you have to do it. You have to do it live is the way I kind of say it. And I, I love that you brought in baseball. I was a martial artist for a long time and I felt the same way. If I wanted to feel really great, I would just like go practice on a heavy bag. And that's great. But the heavy bag doesn't punch back. It doesn't hit back. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hit back. Yeah. And so like going, and when I was little, when I was first starting, I was really scared of sparring. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I was like, someone's going to hit me. And they were like, yeah, someone's going to hit you. That's the whole point. <laughs> like, how are you going to get better at hitting someone if you don't also practice getting hit? And I was yeah. like, no, I don't like it. I'm seven. And then years later, as a very avid sparrer, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I see why. It makes me so much better yep. because I'm doing it live. And yeah. I think that's just such an important part of it. Yeah. It's the, it's the Mike yeah. Tyson quote, right? Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face, right? <laughs> Getting punched in the face <laughs> is that diagnostic and you get your 494 yep. back and you're like, oh crap, I just got punched in the face. Now what? That was generous, 494. <laughs> I was, we were in the 80s. We were hanging out in those low 80s, <laughs> my first diagnostic. Yeah. Um, at which point I was like, I'm never going to pass the MCAT. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, later, here I am teaching and talking about the MCAT. And so that led, I think that's actually kind of a common story with blueprint instructors. I've had a lot of conversations with other people who were like, yeah, I did horrible yeah. on my diagnostic. It was dismal. And I was pretty sure I was going to fail. Yeah. A lot of students, because of what you just said, won't take a diagnostic test. Yeah. For the whole world that's listening right now, tell them why they need to go take a diagnostic. You have no idea how to improve if you don't know where you're starting. Just rip off the band-aid. You got to do it. You got to know where you're starting from. You got to know. There's, I think it's just so, it becomes so nebulous. You're like, I need to improve, but I don't know on what or by how much. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. That is so much more of an anxiety spiral and just inefficient prep. Just know where you start. You got to know where you stand. Yeah. And, yeah. and a diagnostic, right? Blueprint has the free full length mm-hmm. uh, or not free half length diagnostic. And then you also get the free uh, full length exam as well. A lot of yep. students will use the full length as a quote unquote diagnostic. Is there any benefit to that? Is there any disadvantage to that? Um, I just took the diagnostic as the diagnostic. I think a lot of times the problem with the full length for students who haven't done any MCAT prep yet is you're going to get more of an indication of how you do with time and stamina Mm -hmm. than how you do with knowledge. And time and stamina is what you build up over the course of your prep. You're probably not mentally, emotionally ready for a full length when you're taking your very, very first MCAT style anything. Um, So I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world to take the full length, but I do think the diagnostic serves its purpose a little bit better because you don't have that kind of confounding factor of, did I just do horribly on psych social because it was at the end 
or do I genuinely need to go over a lot of psych because I don't know it? Yeah. So I like the half length. I think it's useful. I also think it's less frightening if you're really freaking out about taking a diagnostic for the first time. It's just a half length. Like you'll be fine. Um, but I think that I understand the impulse to take the full length because I, I remember feeling that. And I was like, no, but it's not the real thing. How is it predictive? I don't know. And then I thought about it and I was like, I have never taken a test this long. Yeah. Ever. And I don't think that I'm going to psychosocial is what I I'm a neuroscientist. That's my my kind of academic background. I was like, that's my strong suit. I don't think I'm gonna perform, I don't think I'm gonna equip myself admirably at the end of a seven hour test having never taken a seven hour test before. So I like the half length. I think it it's better to give you a sense of how you do without just taking fatigue into account. And you'll build the stamina up as you do prep over many months. So I don't think that's I don't think that should be like the focus is, is it full length or half length. Um, I think just getting through MCAT style questions and passages and doing them with some semblance of time is a good kind of starting place. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I always tell students, don't set your Q bank on brutal. The first time you do a Q bank, <laughs> set it on easy. And they're like, no, I should do the hard ones. I'm like, but you don't know how to do the hard ones yet. Yeah. And that's okay. That's the whole point. That's why we have a class. That's why you have multiple weeks. If we expected you to be able to do brutal MCAT questions right off the bat, you wouldn't need a class yep. or a Q-Bank. Like you'd be done. You'd be teaching. And so you have to start easy so you can practice the strategy and practice the skills that you've learned and then amp up the content over time. Yeah. Oh, so much, so much we could talk about. I'm excited to continue diving into blueprints, MCATs, full length one in our next episode. Uh, before we go there, talk about the the new blueprint live online course, kind of continuing on uh, with the MCAT course that they created last year and, and going to this live online structure. What does that look like? It's awesome. Um, so it's like nothing I've ever seen before. So it's a live class, which is what you expect. Students are in um, the webinar. So they're not on camera or on mic. They have the chat. Um, but then there are two instructors on camera the whole time. So it's a two and a half hour class. And you've got two instructors, one who's doing kind of the lead of talking through the slides and explaining the questions. And then the secondary instructor who's also talking and giving input, but they're also monitoring the chat. So it eliminates that chaotic feel of one person trying to teach and answer everybody's questions, typing at the same time. There's someone whose dedicated job is to keep up with the chat, bring things to the primary instructor's attention. Usually our secondaries are like putting in little pro tips and content review notes in the chat so people can, if they're overwhelmed by the amount of text, just keep their eye out for that one person whose stuff is like the most relevant. And we do a lot of anonymous polls to answer questions. So we do questions live in class, but no one has to be outed for getting the question wrong because it's an anonymous poll. Um, but it's really great. We always do a cars and a science section. And then in the middle, we have what we call MCAT life, which is a time to talk about the test itself. It's not content. It's not strategy. It's when should I take the MCAT? What is the application timeline like? What do I do on test day? How do I fit MCAT into my life? And we have that section every single lesson for the 16 weeks or the 10 weeks in the accelerated course. And I think that's a really valuable time because it's a much more open conversation. And students often ask us, like, what did you do? How did you handle this? This is where we answer all the questions about what if my test gets canceled? Mm -hmm. How do I reschedule? What's a bronze deadline? And so we have a really nice mix of strategy and some content and some kind of test mechanics, admissions mechanics stuff. And I think just having two people is such a lovely feeling. And having been teaching alone for so many years, I've never had that before. I've never had like another human being 
teaching with me and someone to play off of and feed off of and different perspectives. Um, we all have our preferences for the types of strategies that we used yeah. and we all have our preferences for the sections we like. And so it's really nice. I think it's a diverse mix of perspectives and teaching styles. And also that means that every student who asks a question is going to get answered because they're not lost in the shuffle. Yeah. I'm, if I'm primary and I look away from the chat, there's someone else monitoring that. And yeah. so people are really getting that attention that they need um, in this in the space. And also I think we see community build throughout the course. Mm-hmm. By the end of 16 weeks, I think students are hyping each other up in the chat and being really positive and sharing their tips and sharing their resources. And even though they can't see each other or hear each other, I think it becomes oh, it becomes a little family. I think we get we get we feel really invested in our students' success, but I watch them get invested in each other too. And that's a really nice feeling to see. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm doing a, yeah. a group coaching now and I, I definitely, even, even just a week into it, I can, I can see that starting to form, which is awesome. Yeah. Talk about real quick. A lot of students are going to go look at blueprintprep.com and, and see that there's an online course and then there's the live online for someone mm-hmm. who's trying to, to decide if they should invest for a little bit more for the live online course. What, what's that extra benefit? Because the online course has all of the content, right? All of the recorded mm-hmm. content, all of the access to the tests. Um, is, is there still office hours with the online course or is that gone and, and part of all live online now? Yes. Um, the online class and the live online still have office hours, which are these two hour blocks where an instructor is answering questions. There are some open Q&A ones and some content specific ones. So some of them, like I just taught one last week that was the cell cycle and mitosis and meiosis. And that's what we went over. And we went over it in depth and we did practice questions. And that was two hours of very content heavy review. And then we also do like full length, um, full length sessions as well in the office hours. But I think the difference between those resources and the live online is A, the weekly commitment of showing up at a specific time to do MCAT work. Um, I think there's a level of accountability that can be really helpful for people. I know some of our students said that. They were like, yeah, I picked live online because I need, I need to feel accountable to a group of people to yeah. show up and do my prep. And that makes me do my homework and that makes me do my pre-work and that makes me do all this other stuff that I might fall off the wagon with otherwise. I need to, I need a person holding me accountable. I need to feel like I'm ditching someone if I don't show up. Mm. And I think that's an underrated like benefit of a class is people do feel accountable. We're we're humans. We they can see our faces and hear our voices and they know that we did this once too. And I think that's a really important benefit, but the other thing is just having so many questions. Yeah. We do so many questions and so much strategy in class that I think you could watch a module and maybe you could supplement a little bit of that with some of the office hours, but it's not the same as every week knowing that you're going to go through piece by piece all the different types of AAMC foundational questions, all the different skills, applying them all to content, to passages, doing them with time, doing them without time, getting your questions answered live. I think that for students, especially students who struggle with independently structuring their own time or students who feel like they read all the answer explanations and they still feel like it's all in another language, I think the live is really helpful because you get two people who can rephrase things differently. And that's then a total of three ways to understand the question, the typed, me, the other instructor. And I think that can be really important. Um, but I think just for students who know that structure is useful for them, the live online structure is really nice because it has the flexibility of rescheduling if life happens and you need to do a different day, but it's also still a weekly commitment. Yep. And so I think that kind of 
you're not penalized if you need to reschedule. You can reschedule whenever you need to. But there is like a time-gated sense to the class. There are 16 weeks. You can show up when you need to show up. But like there are 16 weeks, 16 sessions. You know everything's going to be covered in those 16 sessions. And it also gives you that increase in challenge and increase in difficulty that you don't have to do yourself. I think that's one of the hardest things is figuring out when should I try something harder? When should I try something more challenging? When should I try doing this to time? You don't have to do that thinking with the live online class. We'll tell you. We'll up the difficulty. We'll start incorporating timed drills. We'll give you the homework assignments of when you should make your QBank brutal and when you shouldn't. And that, I think, eliminates a lot of the decision-making fatigue that MCAT students have, where they're like, there are so many things I have to decide. I have to make so many plans. I have to make so many choices. And then you don't want to do any of it. And you say, oh, I'll just read a textbook. I'll go cry in a corner. (laughs) And so having someone do all of that decision-making for you, and by someone, I mean like a huge content team and the instructors and the managers, like there's so many people together constantly working on making it the most optimal structure that I think that really eliminates a lot of stress. And I would have taken it if it had existed when when I was prepping. Absolutely. All right, there you have it. Again, that's Joya, live online instructor for Blueprint MCAT. If you haven't gone over to blueprintprep.com yet to sign up for all types of free resources, again, go to blueprintprep.com, click on free resources after the MCAT, and uh, there's a free MCAT practice exam, question of the day, free events and webinars, a free MCAT study schedule, and so much more. Again, blueprintprep.com slash MCAT will take you to everything that you need. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We're going to continue our deep dive into Blueprint Prep Full Length 1 Bio Biochem Passage 2. This is MedEd Media.